Hey friends, wanted to let you know about a new feature we have for you on the podcast. You can now leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the show notes for this episode. We want this podcast to help you. If you have a question about making disciples in the harvest or a topic you'd like our team to cover on the show, click the link in the show notes or visit us at speakpipe.com slash into the harvest. When you leave us your voice message, take 15 seconds to introduce who and where you are, and then maybe 30 seconds or so to ask your question. We will get these messages and we'll feature you and your question on the show. It'll be a fun way to connect as a community and it will make the podcast more of a two-way conversation. So hit us up and leave us your question. Welcome into The Harvest, a podcast dedicated to helping you live and share your faith in the everyday places of life. Susie Walther is founder of The Well Training Ministry in Tampa, Florida. She has a passion for seeing women come to faith, grow to maturity as followers of Jesus, and be trained so that they become kingdom difference makers in their families, their churches, and their communities. But throughout history, the church has often lacked a purposeful vision for developing women to follow Jesus and be part of his mission of making disciples. On today's show, we talk about some of the reasons for this and some unique challenges involved in training women for ministry. This is the second half of my conversation with Susie. You can hear part one by checking out last week's episode of the podcast. Now I've known Susie for 25 years and I respect and admire her devotion to Jesus and her heart for his people. She's a gifted leader and communicator and has decades of experience making disciples and training up leaders. As always, we'd love to get your thoughts about what we're discussing on today's show, and you can be part of the conversation by heading over to our Facebook page and joining the comments for this episode. Women serve in our churches unresourced. We are a workforce for the church, but we're not a mission field. And so there's a, there's a, there's a, I could go on and on about that, but they need to be resourced. There's very little investment in the women who are actually raising the next generation. Mm. And so we're trying to bridge that gap and, and make this investment um, irrespective of a woman's denomination or, or anything else. And we're seeing it. We're seeing Catholic, Lutheran, Baptist, non-denoms, charismatics, you know, um, just a plethora of women walking through the doors and God is just doing something. Boy, I'd love to keep going for like another 45 minutes. Maybe we will um, if you have time, but uh, we'll have to break it up into a couple of podcasts if we do. Um, on this subject of developing women, it seems to me that there's a lot of different ideas within the church, capital C, of how this could look, how it should look. Um. And there's also some some real challenges that are unique yes. to developing women. So what are some of the challenges? Let's start there because that's probably a little bit easier. What are some of the challenges that you see that are unique to developing women? And are there are there things that you would want to share with the men of God out there who may be in positions of leadership uh, of how they can be more mindful and more supportive of investing and developing the, the next generation of women leaders for the church? Well, one of the first challenges is theological. So if, 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 a, if, a, if, a, if men in the church are, um, don't see us as co-laborers with them, they see us as second-class citizens in the church, then 
you're treated like a second-class citizen. So if we're an afterthought in the mind of God, um, as many men think we were, then we're an afterthought in the church as well. There's just not a lot of value placed on on the women, which is sad since two-thirds of the church, two-thirds of any congregation is female. So without investing in that labor force, you've got two-thirds of your labor force that's sitting idle or apathetic on your pews. And then you include the number of men that are apathetic sitting on the on the on the pews it's it's devastating satan is satan is winning this battle in the churches so um if your theology says that a woman doesn't get any of the gifts that men get if your theology doesn't see that a woman can serve in certain capacities of a, if your theology doesn't have a value on women i'm telling you that's a major challenge so there are a lot of women who who just don't sense that that there is a call to be a disciple there is a call to disciple others that belongs to us as women, you know, that told Titus 2 mandate that, that he want, God wants the older women to be invested in the younger women. And church history bears this out for the first 300 years. Women were very active in the church and then it got organized and then it got instituted and then things begin to change. And now it becomes very um, male dominated in many ways and women become marginalized. So um, theologically, if, you know, if you're marginalized, it's hard to get through that barrier. It really, really is. Um, the The other thing um, you'll see, I see, is that churches are very, not only are they proprietary, they're also very protective. So they sense that the, the, the majority of volunteers in your church are women. So you don't want to lose your volunteer force to something that's outside of your church. So then there's this this weird fear and intimidation and, you know, um, fear of losing a woman, you know. So if, if, if you're, she goes to my church and now she's going to this Bible study over here called The Well, oh, dear God, might we lose her? Hmm. So now I've got to do everything to keep her here so that she can just be part of the workforce. Mm-hmm. I'm not investing in her. I'm not right. resourcing her. I don't even sense her real value, but I, I can't lose my workforce because the majority of the people working in my church are women. Mm-hmm. So you've got that, which is a major challenge. You know, as an interdenominational ministry, that has its own challenges. <laughs> you know, breaking through the racial divides has its own challenges. But these are things that God is allowing us to see some success in, and we just keep mm-hmm. plowing forward. We just, we, we really do, we keep plowing forward. The gospel that we preach in America is a major challenge to discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's truncated. It's transactional. It it, it, it it does not require discipleship. So then you have to convince people in the church that discipleship <laughs> is necessary. Right. And it's expected. You know, right. following Jesus really is expected. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's almost if you if you use the the wedding analogy, if, if you if you're only presenting people that the expectation is that you. The wedding you go day. through this wedding ceremony and you make this pledge of commitment to this other party, but then that's it. If that's your gospel, then until then you the have funeral, to... <laughs> you jump the funeral and you wait. <laughs> right. Well, then if you try to introduce discipleship after the fact, then it's almost like saying, oh, by the way, um, yeah. you, you really ought to develop this whole marriage side of things where there's this ongoing daily relationship with lots of ups and downs and challenges. Um, or if you make that sort of a bonus, a bonus course that, well, if you're really committed, then yes. you'll actually work on your marriage. What, what you're saying is that 
the gospel needs, that's a truncated gospel. Um, the gospel, we need to have a fuller understanding of the gospel that includes the call to discipleship and lordship. Right. And I always say that cheap grace is a gospel that does not require that we, that we follow Jesus. Cheap grace is a gospel that doesn't require that I become like, like Christ. And he calls us to imitate him. I mean, he's the only, I mean, Jesus is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. It's what the kingdom of God looks like when it's operating in a human being. There's nobody else that can model that for us. And so it's it's insane, like, you know, that we can marry, but never actually show up for the marriage, you right. know. And um, it doesn't make sense. But that has been relegated, that idea of discipleship has been relegated in the minds of so many, especially in the evangelical community. It's where you see it the most. Um, as being a works-based salvation, um, as opposed right. to discipleship being a salvation-based work. And so you've got, you know, you've got the theology that involves the gospel that makes discipleship challenging. Um, and, cha- and, and then you've got the, the, the theology that a church may or may not have with regard to women that makes it challenging. And you've got the whole fear factor of losing your labor force that can make this challenging. And it's just a lot of things to kind of negotiate. Then you've got the whole denominational structure. How do we, how do we function as an interdenominational ministry, keeping the main things, the main thing without creating a gold standard saying can believe and worship a certain way in order to be, you know, Christian. So, figuring out how, how to stay very centered on core values. And so for us, what we've done, it's, it's going to be about Jesus Christ. We're all saved by the same Jesus. There's not a Catholic Jesus and a Baptist Jesus and a charismatic Jesus. There's one word of God by which we all have to grow. And there's mm-hmm. a one mission that he calls us all to. And I tell the women all the time, how does, how does God take a bunch of military guys and turn them into a band of brothers when they're, they come from different states, they're different ethnicities, different, different religions? What makes them a band of brothers is the uniform that they're wearing and the mission that they're on. Mm-hmm. And so this is God's unifying tactic. He gives us one name, Jesus, that's the uniform that we wear, and he sends us in the same mission, go and make disciples. It's not a different mission for Catholics. It's not a different mission for Baptists. It's the same mission. And if we if we understand just it's Christ, His Word, and this mission, this is how we stay unified. And to fight for that is huge, you know, because you got to get through the people who go, well, are, are they all reading from the King James version of the Bible? Okay, that's not the point. <laughs> I need them reading the Bible. I really don't care what the version is. <laughs> Can they just start reading it? <laughs> right. Well, I loved your track there, and I I, I love uh, you talked about the the four modules or the four the four uh, steps towards discipleship being salvation, the word, lordship, and people. Yep. And and really helping people begin to embrace and live out all four because those all four of those are life transforming yes. um, commitments and value changers. Um, you know, someone who's committed to the word is going to look radically different. Someone's life who's, who's committed to the word is going to look radically different than someone who isn't, even if they're both showing up on Sunday morning for mm-hmm. a church service and the same for lordship, the same for people. I know one thing that I've definitely run into over the years is 
just um uh raising children that that's that's a a very pragmatic challenge that I think a lot of women often face and a lot of churches and especially um churches like we're involved in which are in the harvest oftentimes operating out of people's homes without any real budget for a nursery and childcare and there's no place to export the children to uh, no one to offload them on. And so, you know, I, I tell people like, if you're in the traditional church, uh, you've just exported the chaos. I mean, the chaos is happening. It's just happening one building over and you're able to enjoy this serene hour. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but for us, oftentimes the chaos is happening in the midst of, um, the adults worshiping, which I think is beautiful. Um, I will say it's made for some challenges when we try to capture audio or video from <laughs> an event, but I love it. I think it's uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. It is, however, a challenge, and I think for a lot of women, there's a challenge which says, "Well, I'm called to be a wife and a mother, and I've got these young children. I'm barely holding on. I can't even imagine getting coffee." with another lady to talk about the Bible. Like it's just beyond their ability to, to even wrap their minds around. So I'm sure that you've lived it, you've experienced it as a disciple maker. So what words of encouragement do you have to families, to young mothers out there about their season of life and, and how they can trust God during that season? So I think a woman has to be convinced that um, God doesn't take the Holy Spirit away from her when she has children. Um, and the Holy Spirit was meant for God to, um, for us to be able to bear and raise up spiritual children. So she's got to be convinced that she still has the Holy Spirit and there's still a ministry that God has for her. We tell one of the, the things that we say all the time in, in our ministry is that you've got two families the physical one that God has given you and the spiritual one that he wants to have through you. And you and I are going to live in the tension of ministering to those two families. We think hierarchical in the church, but it's, it doesn't work that way because Jesus said that his commandments, you know, that we love God, or he said that um, all of his commandments hang on two commandments, that we love God and we love people. So things are hanging. So in this, this rhythm of life, in this course of life, we're figuring out all these commandments about how we treat people and how we treat animals and how we treat our government and how we treat our enemy. They're all just hanging there. And we're going we're gonna to walk through those. And we need to know how to live in the tension of all of those commands, live in the tension of, of how to love my husband and be intimate with my husband and love my children and raise my children and minister to the families and the people around me that God has given me spiritual gifts by which to do that. So you're, there's going to be tension. And what I would say all the time, if you're not experiencing the tension, tension is because you've already chopped off one of the sides. Mm -hmm. So women mm -hmm. will either chop off ministry to give their lives to their family. That's called an extreme. And the truth lies somewhere between two extremes. Or she chops off her family and she gives her life to <laughs> ministry. You know, that's an extreme. So right. if you're not feeling the tension, it's because you've probably chopped off the other side. You find a way to justify your way out of it. So there is a tension. It's not pretty. It's not meant to be pretty. <laughs> you know, this is why we call it the well. I mean, women historically, they bake their bread together. They wash their clothes together. They raise their kids together. Mm -hmm. They ministered to one another. They took care of one another. This is it's So it's meant to be communal. Um, and 
when you think in terms of community, it's going to be a bit messy. Mm -hmm. I do believe this. I will say this. The idea of doing worship together is the is different than the idea of training together. So even in the military, if, if the military was going to train you, your family is not going to be on the training ground with you. Your family can be in this space, but they need you in this space. And I think that for discipleship, we also have to think through that. Bringing everybody together in community and in family or church setting is very different than trying to train. So it is important when, when we think in terms of giving women an opportunity to train and to grow and to be equipped that we do give them some space away from their children to figure some things out. Um, if they never get that space, they're never going to be able to get that training. And, and nothing in life works that way. If if you're getting, you know, if you're going to school for seminary, you're pulled out of your norm to go get that kind of training. And mm. I do believe that we've got to afford women that opportunity. Men naturally get it. They naturally have it. Mm-hmm. But we've got to be able to create some space where women can do that too. And that may mean financially coming up with some dollars that would allow women, we're in that struggle right now, um, not a struggle, but we're in that stage of innovating right now because we're doing a lot in our homes and in the community and at restaurants and in Panera Bread, but we need to create a training space where women with six kids are not paying for a babysitter to try to cover that because that's, once again, that's unsustainable. They can't keep that going. So we're looking at partnering with different churches that will allow us a couple of Bible studies on their campuses so that we could provide child watch, give those women a couple of hours a week where they can come together with other women, figure some things out and then go do their ministry. Yeah, that's a really good word. I like that distinction between a training environment and a community uh, environment. Um, that's a, that's a really good word, Susie. And I, I like also that, um, the solutions are always out there. I believe that there, there, or there's always a solution. Mm-hmm. It may not be one that you've personally seen before. So you may have to really pray and ask God to inspire you or just to make it obvious um, how he wants to solve a, a current challenge or problem that you're facing. But, um, but those solutions are out there. If, yes, they are. If we're clear on what the challenge is and we're committed to uh, to stepping up to meeting that challenge, and so I do think that um, that's a big one. I, I I've seen children be one of the biggest hurdles to people who are wanting to move into the harvest and open up their lives, and for young moms who want to to be more out there. Um, so I, I really appreciate you speaking to that. That that is the the gap between singles and young couples is not really that great but the gap between young couples and couples with children that's a quantum leap in terms of complexity Um, so as leaders whether it's in a informal setting or a more structured bible study or church giving thought to to how we meet that need is is an ongoing tension like you said yes and once again, the, the community space where you're doing worship and, and, you know, just being family of God to one another, no problem with that. But just really thinking innovatively, just how do I, how do I create this space so that men and women, women too, they're raising the next generation, have some time where they can actually think and talk without somebody crying or somebody mm-hmm. pulling on them or somebody who had a diaper blowout. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to be able to create, give that. And I think there is sacrifice in that. 
there is sacrifice in that. And I will say this too, I know we're running out of time, but you know, what we can't keep doing, um, and I feel very committed to this, is that if, if I've got if I've got five kids and I'm weary and I'm struggling in my marriage, and the only way that I can get any ministry is that I come in and watch 20 more kids once a month, you've just demotivated me. You've sucked the life out of me because I'm, I'm sucking wind over here, and right. I need a moment. And to, to be able to say that the only way I can get that moment is that I've got to suffer some more, and i got to take – got the kids I don't like, and i got to take your kids that I don't like either – <laughs> and this is literally our model for women's ministry It's just make them do more child watch, make them do more. And um, I think that, you know, what, whatever happened with pooling some of the money and getting a few homeschool teenagers or some young adults that need a few extra dollars so they can afford Starbucks and saying, you guys watch the kids a couple hours a week or two hours twice a month so that these women can get together and be able to have some, some an edifying time that is that is undisturbed, you know, yeah. where she can really offload the kids for once, <laughs> and it doesn't cost her an arm and a leg. They don't have to take out a small business loan. You know? No, I I love what you're saying, Susie, and it's it's something that I've really wrestled with in in my own life and in my own journey as as a man, as someone who aspires to be a man of God, as someone who's responsible for leading within a local ministry, these issues of women in ministry, young families, how, how do we, how do we do this justice? How do we, how do we be faithful? How do I be faithful on a very personal level? Um, but I really agree with what you're saying. One, one of the ways I phrase it is that, you know, Jesus died for the world and half the world are women. So there's there's a very huge need here. Or bearing the other half of the world. <laughs> that I, I don't think that it's just, hey, let's disciple the men and trust that it'll trickle down to the women, that there there should be some purposeful thought given to how do we invest in this over half the population of the world. And as you said, two-thirds of, of those Most who are, are coming into our churches. Um, but it is unique. And for men as leaders, it's completely foreign. We, we struggle to understand women in general. Um, but then there's all of these uh, cultural and traditional forces that, as well that have come down to us over the centuries. Of and theological. What it, that's what I mean is the, the, the theological traditions yes. that have come down yes. to us to say, well, you're actually being you're actually being unfaithful as a male leader in the church if you allow certain boundaries to be crossed. And so I think it's, um, I, I would just encourage the men out there, whether they're husbands or whether they're leaders in the church, to, to really do a deep dive Bible study of scripture and do it without the commentaries and, and do your best to, to do it without the lens of, of tradition and what it has looked like over the centuries. And, and can I um, add to that yeah. um, real quick? And I would also say too, that take it out of the realm of theology, the way we understand Western theology, because the vast majority of theology in the Bible is narrative. It's story. God is telling us a story and that story is helping us understand theology 
So when we just try to do word searches and, and look up words in the Greek and the Hebrew and then try to formulate theology philosophically on some words, we're going we, we're gonna to lose what it is that he's saying. So we've got we've to make sure that our theology is rooted to the narrative and that that narrative is rooted to the meta-narrative to really mm-hmm. begin to understand the kingdom theology that, that is here. And, and to really begin, I remember reading an argument, and I thought it was just so good, and it was it was all about your worldview, your starting point when you read about Paul and and women in the church. And it said if your if your starting point is that he's being prohibitive or he's being restrictive, then right. you have to see women like Priscilla and Phoebe, you know, and Lydia as being exceptions to the rule, but they were never meant to be the rule. But if your starting point is that women were doing these things, that they were they were freely operating this way, then you understand that what Paul was doing was regulating some of the chaos. Mm-hmm. So your starting point changes everything. And I tend to believe, my personal, I can just go here, that there was a freedom in the church, and it fit the narrative that you see, not the religious narrative that you see in, Judea, in Judaism, but you see the narrative as God is speaking at the place of women throughout history, biblical history, and what Paul is trying to do is regulate the chaos. Women, you're free, but you've gone nuts. And I need to, <laughs> we got to control some of this. You've gone, you've lost your minds. You yeah. And, and, and I need you to stop losing your minds. There's the right. integrity of Christ in the church at stake. Well, and the flip side of this is, is I know you well enough that what we're not saying is that we want women out here doing their thing. And then the guys are over here doing their thing. Gosh, no. I, yeah, that th- th- there's still this whole God-ordained um, thing called marriage. And there's a lot of instruction in the Bible about husbands and wives uh, are to live together in a way that honors God. Yes. And so this, this is more, where I'm coming from, this is more of how can we be purposeful? All believers need to be strengthened and encouraged. All believers need to be discipled. All believers need to be equipped and given opportunities to share and be part of the mission that Jesus died and rose from the dead to invite us into. And so we just have to figure that out. We can't, we can't be negligent. And, you know, truth be told, um, within the church, there's a lot of uncertainty about how to develop anyone into that mission, men or women. But I do believe that that's even at more of an extreme when it comes to women. There's there's even less certainty and thought given to um, how would it look like to strengthen and encourage and disciple and develop the next generation of women. So I really appreciate what you ladies are doing, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us some today. Um, we'll have to do it again, and maybe we can get more controversial. I don't know. But... <laughs> But by way of wrapping things up, where do you see the Lord taking the well training ministry in these coming years? And what are some of the things that you ladies are trusting God for now? Uh, we are we are praying for this partnership. Uh, we're praying that that churches would begin to see us as a friend, not a foe. That um, that we are not about strengthening our brand or, or you know, like I said, uh, you know, developing our own little fiefdom. Um, it's not us against them. The we are we are already staged, ready, prepared, able, successful at training and and raising up women, developing them, 
like I said, the vast majority will roll back into their churches or another or, or, or a ministry in their community, and they will meaningfully contribute. They won't just be sucking up the oxygen. They won't just be volunteering um, for the program. They'll be actually contributing to raising up the next generations within that church. I think that if if if, if churches would embrace this, they would see that um, there would be a difference in the family dynamic. Um, just a lot of things would begin to shift as women own their space. Once again, the vast majority of their working force is women. The labor, you know, the the, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Mm-hmm. Well, the laborers are actually, there's, there, there's a lot sitting there, you know. <laughs> they just need to know how to activate them and engage them. And I think that, that um, so our, our hope is that churches will begin to see us as a partnership, our, our ministry as a partner with what they are doing. Uh, just like you would send kids to a doctor or you'd, you'd go to seminary, you'd, you're not expecting your church to, to, to do all of that. You'd go off to seminary with the hope that you'll come back and minister to your church. We're hoping the churches will see us as that we are a parachurch ministry. We come alongside the church. Um, our contribution is to, is to women. And so we're a discipleship and training ministry with that as, as the goal. Um, so that's what we're hoping. We're really hoping that we will see um, just that, like I said, that partnership develop within our community and across the nation. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's happening. And um, some of those same same hopes are in my mind and heart. But I do believe that that the Lord is is moving the church towards that idea of of collaboration and partnership across uh, denominational bounds and even and even across um, parachurch and traditional church. Yeah, the approaches and, and discipleship mm-hmm. uh, models, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's one of the great challenges that, that we're facing. And personally, I, I think it's one of the areas where the church is still a hundred years behind the, the world around us is uh, Thomas Friedman wrote a book in the early 2000s called The World is Flat. I don't know if uh, either one of you <laughs> read that book. No. But it, but it was all about globalization and technology and how now more than ever, people have been pushed together. Uh, the third world is, is right next to the first world now. And our communities uh, more and more are, are pushed together. And there's an opportunity to collaborate and, and work in new ways. Yes. And you see this all the time. Young, young businesses, new businesses will oftentimes collaborate in a way that is mutually beneficial. And they don't, they don't see it as competition. They see it as let's help each other grow. And um, I think the church is getting there, but I do think the church still think, thinks very territorially yes. oftentimes. And, and so, uh, again, I appreciate the heart that you guys are bringing to this work, and I, I believe the Lord is going to bless it. Um, so, Susie and Lindsay, if people want to learn more about the Well Ministry, what's the best way for them to learn more about you, get in contact with you. Lindsay, tell us tell us how folks can connect with you guys. So you can connect with us by going to thewelltraining.org. We're also on many social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and our handle is at thewelltraining. You can connect with us, ask questions. Our home and community groups throughout the Tampa Bay area are listed on there as well as uh, free resources that will be on the website that's coming up um, 
excited to announce that we're going to be rolling out a new website within the next couple of months. So that will help um, engage the community more, not only locally in Tampa, but nationally and across the globe. And um, we're just really excited. And our trainings are, um, if women mm-hmm. contact us when we have one of our, our leader trainings, um, and the leader training, just real quick, is what we really do is how do how do we move from just um, replicating learning environments and actually learn how to cultivate a discipling environment, a discipling culture. Mm-hmm. So the leader training is actually focused on helping the leader learn how to move from learning environment to discipling culture. Then we have what we have an ongoing equipping. We call it the teacher training. So if a woman has got a, a teaching platform, she's got a, leads a Sunday school or home group, a Bible study, whatever the case may be. This is just how do you continue to teach advancing kingdom principles and the, and the Christian basics that help women own their walk. So you're not just the instructor and they're just coming always to be instructed, but how do you advance kingdom things so that women are taking ownership and just, equipping you in the the challenges and the different things that you're going to face. And then hopefully as women are engaged in cultivating a discipleship environment, they're engaged in um, advancing those kingdom principles, they will wind up in life and life or life on small group relationships. And then we invite them into a mentor training. All of those are available during through live stream. If women want, um, if they don't have that kind of resourcing um, where they are, they would like to get exposed to that kind of thing. We see more and more women that say, hey, when you have the next leader training, when you have the next teacher training, mentor training, can I can I be a part of that live stream? So, um, And then, of course, we have our conferences that are available um, for women anywhere from any mm-hmm. church, any background to be a part of. So the live streams that you just mentioned, Susie, those are taking place on your Facebook group? They are not. So any woman who would like to be, um, for it to be available, made available to them, they would just contact us. And then we do a YouTube uh, private link. So at our last leadership training, we had over five states represented which was really cool, all the way out from Seattle, Washington, to Texas, um, up in Maine. Yep, and, and Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So, yes, and then they get that YouTube link. So if, they, if they're if they part of the live feed, of course, then they're able to be part of the chat. If they're not, they're able to look through it with their look at it later with their teams and stuff like that. Right. So they contact basically Lindsay. They, when, they, when we got one of those trainings come up, we give them the invite and the information so that they know, and then they, they go from there. Yeah, so people, uh, our listeners, just know that if you're not living in the Tampa area, but you've enjoyed this conversation, you've been challenged, and you would you would want to learn more from Susie and Lindsay and the team there at the Well. There's all kinds of opportunities and resources available online, and probably the best way to do that is to connect with them through the website or on their Facebook page and send a direct message. And uh, someone from their team can get you more instructions. We'll talk to Lindsay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm impressed, Susie. You're on YouTube Live. This is uh, for someone who says that she's not very tech savvy. You've got a good team keeping you together. It's these people. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Well, well, that's part of how the world has become flat. And I I love it because... I love that. I love that idea. the, The Lord is is using you ladies and what you're doing there locally to have a much broader uh, influence and impact on the kingdom of God. And um, I'm just excited to see it continue to grow. So thanks Can again. Can we do another shameless plug? 
Oh, please. Yes. Okay. So we've got a, a we, we do a one day, two day and three day conference. Our one day conference is reclaiming the gospel, um, putting the missing pieces back into your life and message. It's actually the only co-ed conference that we do. This is one of those partnerships where the world is flat between the parachurch and the, and the church. Um, a seminary professor and, and um, pastor in the area, Delio Del Rio, Dr. Delio Del Rio, he partners with us. And we do this one-day conference on, you know, what are the missing pieces and how do you get them back so that we do hmm. move away from this truncated transactional gospel to the one that we actually see in Scripture hmm. that would lead us to being followers of Jesus Christ. Um, who are advancing the kingdom of God as citizens of this kingdom. So that's coming up on March 7th, uh, 2020. It is, like I said, a co-ed conference, and um, tickets will start going on sale. There's a flash sale um, in December, which mm -hmm. is the best price ever, and then after that, the next best price. <laughs> so, um, And that's available to anybody who wants. It'll be held in the Tampa Bay area at the USF Embassy Suites. All right. Thank you for that shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, and I do hope that people connect with with you, ladies, and, and with the Facebook page, um, because December's still a little ways out. So uh, I'm sure you'll be putting more things out there about oh, yeah. the tickets. And but no, that that would be. I think that's one of the big needs of of our modern times within the church is re rediscovering, recapturing the uh, the full gospel. And so, man, that that topic yeah, because is near the gospel and dear. you believe determines the disciple that you are. Yeah. So that's great. All right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Well, Susie and Lindsay, thanks again for, for being on the show. And we will definitely do it again in the future. Thank, Thank you, you, Andrew. God bless your work out there in San Diego. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends, or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.